That was a very robust sharing of Christ's peace. The middle school teacher in me wants to thank all of you. It was very well done. You definitely receive a high grade in sharing of the peace this morning. Uh, Would you allow me to lead you this morning in the prayer for illumination? Let us pray. God, source of all light, you are the pure light of divine knowledge. Open the eyes of our minds and hearts that we may understand and embrace the message of your scripture. Amen. The scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. It can be found in the Sanctuary Bible on page 672 of the Old Testament. Again, I'll be reading from Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. Listen now for God's living word. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the desert, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people who I formed myself, so they might declare my praise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. So I got an email from my father a a few days ago, and it was sent out to all my cousins and aunts and uncles about a family reunion. Now, every few years, the extended Nickel family gathers for a reunion, and all in all, we're about 10 family units, which when we're all there means about 30 people. But what matters most about our family gatherings is the storytelling. And we tell a lot of stories. And some of the stories catch up on our lives since we last saw one another. Some are stories of days long past. Some are of canoe trips or beach houses together on Lake Michigan. Some stories are told of Ed and Virginia, my grandparents. Stories are told about the old Archdale house where my dad and his sister and brother grew up in the Rosedale neighborhood on the west side of Detroit. 
Stories are told about career changes or plans for retirement, or more recently, in many of our families, we've had quite a few birth stories. The stories help us remember and recall and relive meaningful experiences. The stories share something new, though, that might happen at times. Sometimes the stories are about possibilities. Sometimes the stories are funny or sad. Some of our stories are hopeful, and some of them have been heartbreaking. But the stories remind us who we are and who we belong to. They help shape our family to one another and cultivate our sense of belonging. We recall gifts that the family has shared, the trials that we have endured together, and the stories also help guide us through the hard times. Because near or far, we have walked together through a lot, especially in the last couple of years. But the stories remind us of what our family means to us in all the joys and the sorrows of our lives. We do something similar when we gather at the Lord's table, when we remember the stories in the prayers that we make at the table. We recall brief stories from Scripture, from the life of Jesus, that remind us of God's grace. And so we remember the ways which God has been faithful to people in years past, but also the ways that God is faithful to us right now in the present. These prayers that we offer before we partake of communion empower our faith for days that are still to come. And we remember what God has done in the present moment, building trust for whatever is on the horizon. The prophet Isaiah is helping the people remember in just this kind of way. The prophet is speaking to a people who have experienced extraordinary change and heartbreak and loss. So much change that they have lost what they can count on. You see, the people have been taken from their homes and they were placed into exile far away in a land they did not know, where they did not speak the language. And in the face of this loss, the prophet has been helping them remember who God is for them so that they can restore and strengthen the faith that they have in God. And now at this point in the scripture, at this point in the prophets speaking, God is now returning the people from exile to their homes. But they are broken, heartbroken, and trying to restore lives and restore faith. And God, in all of this, is making good on a promise to deliver and restore their lives. 
And to help them understand this, they remembered the story of the exodus to Egypt, what is often called the first exile. God recalls the story of these ancestors who were exiled from their home, and the exodus story brings back memories of pain and of sorrow and of hardship. It also brings back a reminder that God was with them every step of the way. God reminds them of the people crossing the sea and protecting the people of the armies that were pursuing them. God was with them then. And in remembering, it is a reminder that at the time of the prophet Isaiah speaking, it is a reminder that God is with them still. Now, when the prophet gives the people instruction, it contradicts all that came before it. Because the prophet then says, Do not remember the things of old. Do not remember the former stories. It's strange, right, that the prophet offers all this remembrance and then, then, then suddenly says, do not remember. Remember? Don't remember. So which is it? Like all great mysteries of faith, prophecy is never so black and white. The prophet remembers who God is to the people, the generous, graceful, faithful, sustaining, loving God who created people to be good and in relationship with one another and with God, remember who God is in all of this. But when God does a new thing, it is not simply a repeat of the past. God is not a one-trick pony. It will look different than these old stories when God does something new. And God's character, though, will remain true and faithful and graceful to the people the whole way home. Though even going home, a place familiar might look and feel different than what they knew before. So God is proclaiming a bold promise to the people. I am about to do a new thing, God says. I am going to make a way in the wilderness, God says. I am going to nourish the land and the people with springs of water. What does it mean, though, that God is doing something new? What does it mean for the people that the prophet Isaiah is speaking to? And and what does it mean for us? Because looking in our world, there's no shortage of wilderness, whether you're talking politics or racial relations and cultural divisions, if you're talking basic standards of living or debt or health care or personal health and well-being or the effects of stress on people, just about everywhere we could turn, 
the world feels like wilderness. But God is cultivating new life again and again, just as God was cultivating something new long ago. So God continues to cultivate something new in and through human lives and human communities. And God turns the question on the people, on us. I am doing something new, God says, and God's question is, do you perceive it? The psychiatrist Gerald May writes about being freed from experiences in the wilderness. May writes, when the spiritual life feels so uprooted, it can be almost impossible to believe or even consider that what's really going on is a graceful process of liberation a letting go of old limiting habits to make room for fresh openness to love. God is doing something new. And whatever this new thing is, it is a gift. It is something for people to receive. It is something that requires nothing other than faithful attention to God, faithful listening for what God is doing. Which I might add is a significant responsibility on its own. But the scripture is clear why God is doing a new thing. Well, it may not be clear what. God is clear about why. So that the people of God, formed for God's self, might declare their praise. We are made to praise God, to worship God. And while we articulate that praise as something that happens on at least at Jefferson Avenue Presbyterian on Sunday mornings at 10.30, the benediction of every service sends us to live our worship in every part of our life. Every week, it starts here and continues on everywhere we go with everyone whom we meet. Our worship is lived in all all of our life. And so when God is doing something new, it is happening within us, among us, individually and as a community. And if you stepped back and thought about your own life, where are you letting go of old limiting habits to make room to cultivate a fresh openness for love, if you took a step back and thought about your life and thought, where do I praise God most in what I say and in the actions that I take on faithfully, you might recognize that God is doing something new. And I imagine that if we got together, all of us, and began naming what we have heard, what we have experienced, 
we would see God doing something new with a whole community of people. I don't know what that is, but perhaps a worldview or an opinion has opened to a different possibility. Perhaps an old relationship that you've counted on has changed but blossomed into something new. Maybe sitting on the sidelines hasn't been enough and you've gotten involved in some new way in the world around you. Or maybe a curiosity has brought you to invite someone to tell you their story. Maybe you've recognized a need in the world that no longer seems like it can continue being a need and you've opened yourself to it. Perhaps simplifying an increasingly complex life has suddenly felt like it's worth the sacrifices. How might we perceive more and more what God is making new in and among us. A favorite radio show of mine might suggest a way. When I began listening to it some years ago, it was called Speaking of Faith. Now the National Public Radio Program is is called On Being. The host is a seminary-trained Episcopalian named Krista Tippett, and Tippett interviews people about religion and psychology and race relations and science. And through these conversations, they explore broader connections of what's important to us to be human. And that usually, that conversation usually begins with her guests' experience and their knowledge and their expertise. But her first question is usually, what was your religious experience in your childhood? It starts in one place and begins to bloom into a big conversation. Now, the On Being Project, as Tippett's organization calls itself, works well beyond radio as well. They seek deeper conversations about things that matter in our current time, and in their work, they've developed a whole variety of ways of communicating these conversations, from podcasts and blog posts and conferences and books. And when they do this work whatever medium they're working in, they have six grounding virtues that they live by. And the virtues are focused on cultivating meaningful dialogue and building relationships that are diverse, open-minded, faithful, and hopeful. The grounding virtues that the On Being Project has named for themselves are seeking words that matter, generous listening, adventurous civility, humility, patience, and hospitality. So as On Being participates in what God is making new in their work, they begin by opening themselves to be challenged and to seek opportunities to ask different questions than they've had before. 
which they articulate are ways that allow God to cultivate new grace in them and hopefully for others as well. As I think about beyond being, we could probably find our own virtues, our own senses of purpose, and I believe at times we find them together through the practices, through the worship, through the activities of our life as a church. But in all of those, year after year, we discover that we are new people because God is cultivating something new in us. And God is calling us to join what God is doing in the world, what new thing God is making. So may we leave worship today with a mind to be listening that we might perceive God's new thing among us. May it be so today and all of our days. Thanks be to God. Amen.